Bibles again tonight to the book of 1 Timothy. We'll be in 1 Timothy chapter number 1 again this evening. 1 Timothy chapter number 1. And uh, we're going to read for our text tonight the last three verses of this chapter, 18, 19, and 20. Uh, But while you're turning there, I want to remind you uh, of uh, what we uh, looked at this morning in our text uh, in verses 12 through 17. Uh, The pattern in verse number 16, uh, Paul uh, reminded us, Paul stated to Timothy, that God has done these things so that he might be a pattern for somebody else who believes. And my challenge this morning uh, was, uh, what kind of a pattern are you? And I pointed out this morning, and there's a, and there's a backdrop of why I'm re- revisiting this. Some of you are sleeping through it, is why I was doing it. I'm doing it. But uh, Paul understood that he was a pattern. He was a pattern of transformation, what he was before. He never got away from the fact that what God saved him out of. Then a pattern of Christ's abundant grace, how we're uh, to be a, a, a pattern of God's grace in our life. And then a pattern of Christian enabling. And this morning, if you didn't hear the message this morning, I, I believe that the message this morning, uh, the truth that was contained in just this point here is a, is a life-changing truth. I hope you grasp of how Christ enables. He grants the power to do the ministry, to do the walk in the Christian life. And we talked about how uh, we're enabled by the Spirit of God, enabled by the Word of God, by the church, by the pa- having a pastor and a shepherd, and how that we, we, we have God's power. He enables us to be that pattern, and a pattern of what could be done. Uh, because God enabled Paul, put him into ministry, uh, he was a pattern of God, what God can save you from and then what God can use you to do with your life. And I really believe that in the, in the life of so many Christians, uh, that they have let the devil convince them that they can never do anything for God. And that's just not the reality. And Paul said a pattern of what could be done. <clears throat> now, I remind us of that because obviously our text was chapter, verse 12 through 17. We're picking up with verse number 18. And I told you on the way out this, this morning what I was going to preach on tonight. And it's important for us to understand that we must realize the importance of setting a good pattern if we're going to be successful in the challenge that is given in the end of this chapter. So let's look at verse number 18 of 1 Timothy chapter number 1. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. I want us to notice that phrase in verse number 18, that thou mightest, that thou by them Midas war a good warfare. I want to preach on that tonight. War a good warfare. We saw this morning that we're to be a pattern for somebody else who trusts Christ. They can look at us and see what God has done in our life. But we're also challenged to war a good warfare. Let's, speak, let's talk about that for a few minutes tonight. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we uh, thank you for an opportunity to be in church once again. Uh, already we've been helped by the day. 
Uh, Father, I pray that the truths that we look at this evening will uh, grip our heart, will challenge us to surrender more to you, and uh, may it be said of us that not only are we a good pattern, but that we wore a good warfare. Bless our time remaining, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Christian life is a life of spiritual warfare. Uh, I don't know about you, but I can certainly testify that as we looked at the message this morning and Paul's challenge and his realization that his life was to be a pattern, that was certainly has been a challenge to me. I want my life to be a pattern. I want God to be pleased with the life that I live. All of us should seek that. We should, we should want God's approval more than we want man's approval, uh, more than we want popularity. We should want the approval of God. But you cannot get away <clears throat> from verse number 18, and Paul is writing to Timothy. You get a sense from these epistles what Timothy meant to Paul. And the older I get, the more I understand what it means to a preacher, what it means to somebody who's investing spiritually into someone else, what that younger person means when it comes to their own ministry. He had an affection for Timothy. He had, he had invested in Timothy. I found something very interesting that I'd just like to point out uh, in passing tonight, but I think it's important to note. Uh, he writes, in this, in, in this charge I commend to thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee. I believe he's speaking there of the investment that has been made in the life of Timothy. The investment that many have put. Don't you understand how that is? And it happens with some of our children around here. Uh, they're, they're, they get to be about this high, and, and you look at them and you say, oh, I believe God is going to do some great things with that person. Oh, that person's got potential to do something for the Lord. Oh, look at what God has done in their life. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if, they, if God used them to do, and we can describe uh, whatever. Wouldn't it be wonderful? We want them to serve the Lord. And that's certainly this pastor's heart's desire for every child, for every young person is to serve God with their life. And oh, what, could, what potential for the Lord and what, what investment is made so that they have the opportunity. I thank God for the opportunities God has given me as a Christian. God's given me as a preacher. I understand uh, that, 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 that there's been some things handed to me, but oh, I, I, I pray and I want to work hard to invest in the lives of others so that somebody coming behind me has even a greater opportunity than I have, even a greater opportunity to do something, to do great things for God. He reminds him of the investment. He says, Timothy, I'm a, I'm a pattern. You need to be a pattern. He says that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. By way of introduction, I want us to focus on the word war, the word warfare. We are in a spiritual warfare. We have an adversary tonight. It's the devil. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your home. He wants to destroy your children. He'd love to destroy this church. We're in a spiritual warfare. And we need to realize that. I believe churches today are being destroyed from within because they do not understand they're in a spiritual warfare. I believe God has, or Satan has wreaked havoc on our nation because we've gotten away from God. We don't realize 
that we are in a spiritual warfare. Uh, we have a lot of young couples in our church. We have uh, small children in the nursery tonight. And you hold that child in your arm. You need to understand something. Uh, you need to hear what I'm about to say. There's an enemy who is working to destroy that innocent life. He's working to destroy and take away uh, their innocence and, and their purity and is working to already put things in their heart and life that would keep them away from ever trusting Christ as their Savior. You need to understand something. The devil's not taking any days off. The devil's not taking any vacations. So, so child of God, we need to be reminded that we are in a spiritual warfare. We must be sober, vigilant, uh, uh, watching uh, what God has entrusted us to protect the things that God has given us. And we must be reminded that we are in a warfare. Uh, while many Christians, fairly, fairly speaking, fall asleep in their Christian life, Satan is working to destroy churches, to destroy homes, to destroy lives. We're in a warfare. We're in a battle for the souls of men. I want to remind us of that. We understand that once we trust Christ as our Savior, we're in that warfare. So, Pastor, I didn't enlist. You got saved. You were in the warfare before. You just didn't realize it. You were just going to be a casualty for eternity. It is a battle over the souls of men. That's why everything we believe is important because it's going to affect an eternal soul. That's why our attendance in obedience, to, that's why any principle in the Bible is worth standing for. Because there are souls that will be affected. That's why we must approach uh, this spiritual warfare in a proper manner because souls hang in the balance. When you got saved, you enlisted in the war. You have an enemy. He wanted to take your soul to hell with him. But now he knows since you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're in the Father's hand and there's nothing that can be done about that. If you're saved tonight, you're secure. So what Satan wants to do, he wants to destroy, he wants you to, never to grow as a Christian, or he wants to destroy your, your, your life so that you can never influence anybody else to receive Christ. So that you are not a witness. When you're living a carnal, worldly life, let's just be honest, you're not going to be quick to be a witness to someone. That's what Satan wants. Mom and dad, Satan wants you to settle to compromise because many times, sad to say, he gets a greater sense of what your children can do for God than moms and dads even get a sense of. As a pastor, I must walk vigilant. I must not yield in any verse of Scripture, in any stand. Why? Because we're in a warfare Satan is working against the people of God, the things of God, because there are souls in the balance. I simply want to remind us tonight that there is a warfare. I want to remind us all tonight that you're in the warfare. But I want to focus on is that phrase, that thou mightest war a good warfare. Paul's challenge to Timothy, don't miss this, was not just to be in the fight. 
but to fight a good one. Was not just to wear a uniform, but to war a good warfare. In another passage of scripture, I believe it's in 2 Timothy, he's challenged to fight a good fight. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Parallels with the challenge in verse number 18, that thou mightest war a good warfare. Don't just wear the uniform. Don't just say, hey, yeah, I know there's a spiritual fight, but war a good warfare. We are to be engaged. We are to understand that we have a battle. And friend, it does matter whether or not you serve the Lord with your life. As I preached this morning about being a good pattern, it matters whether or not you're a good pattern of Jesus Christ. It matters whether or not you stay faithful until the Lord calls you home. It matters whether or not you rear your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It matters whether or not you're faithful to church. It matters whether or not you use the one life you have with the days you have in front of you to serve the Lord with all your heart and with all your might. It matters. Why? Because there's a warfare. I, for one, want to war a good warfare. If I could say it like this, I want to be a threat to the kingdom of Satan. As a parent, I want him to know it's not going to be easy for him to get the hearts of my children. As the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, I want him to be very aware that we are advancing the cause of Christ. We are seeking souls. We are supporting missionaries, sending them. We are training young men and ladies for the ministry. We are holding to the old-time religion. I want him to know that we are a threat to his kingdom. I want a war, a good warfare. I don't want to just live my days and be able to say, I wore a uniform. I was on the right side. As you know, I, I love history. I really love reading American history. I love reading of those battles. I'm reading a book uh, right now. It uh, uh, deals with the World War II. Well, I, I love talking about American history. It's like, yeah, we, we won World War II. Like, like we were there. Oh, that's, you know, if it wasn't for America, you'd be speaking German. Which is true, but I had no part in that. But I take pride in it because I'm an American. Because I'm proud to be an American. But I never fired a shot. I never spilled my blood. I'm not minimizing the freedom we enjoy. But let's parallel that to the spiritual battle we're in. There's a lot of Christians that walk around with their chest stuck out proud of the fact that Jesus is coming back today, but they never engage in the spiritual battle themselves. On a war, good warfare. Let me make just some state, general statements in the introduction, and then I'll, then I'll give you the, the outline for application. I've already mentioned that we are in a spiritual war. 
this war will continue until Jesus comes or we go. I want to acknowledge those who've been faithful for generations in this church, for decades. But I also want to challenge you. Spiritual warfare is not over just because you got to retirement age. Because we're in this whether until Jesus comes or we go. I've already mentioned, I want to remind you, Satan is our adversary. Satan is our enemy. Also want to remind you, Satan does not fight fair. He's not going to fight fair. If you're going to war a good warfare, you're going to be wounded. You're going to have your heart broken from time to time. You're going to shed tears. You, you are going, why? Because Satan does not fight fair. Because he is more aware of eternity than we are. We all have the same adversary. How many of you are safe tonight? Let's see your hand. Do you realize that every single one of us have the same enemy? And that's Satan. That's why if you've got, if you've got bitterness in your heart towards another Christian, you're hurting the war. Because we all have the same enemy. We all have the same adversary. It's Satan. Stay with me. In a war, you have to choose sides. So, Pastor, I'm, I'm on God's side. Define that how God defines that. Because God says, you cannot love me and love the world. God paints a very clear picture of whose side that he thinks his children are on. You have to choose sides. Let me make this last statement by way of, it, by way of introduction. You cannot fight a spiritual war in a carnal way. Oh, I want to get the devil. But when, when's the last time you've engaged in spiritual warfare? So, Pastor, how do I do that? Well, let's start with prayer. Uh, that's a spiritual battle. And quite frankly, we're losing. I want a war, a good warfare. Friend, I'm going to, as a, as a preacher of the gospel, as the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, I have committed, I have, I have covenanted with you, I have certainly uh, committed to my God to stand and preach the word of God and stand without compromise on the truths of this book. That's necessary. But I want to war good warfare. Which means I want to engage in a spiritual way. You can't fight a spiritual war in a carnal way. Let me make the application tonight. Thou mightest war a good warfare. We're in a warfare, but I want to fight a good battle. I want to fight a good war. Well, don't you think of some of those old saints of God, those preachers of the last generation? God called them home. And you can say of them, they weren't perfect, but they wore a good, they wore, they, they wore a good warfare. They fought a good battle. The devil knew he was in for a fight. 
with old brother so-and-so. I want us to notice in these three verses a few things that will help us, I believe, war, a good warfare. We notice, first of all, let me say number one, accept the challenge or accept the charge. Verse 18, this charge I commit unto thee. You know, through the years, there's a lot of charges being committed to another generation. I'm not so certain there's as many accepting the charge as there are trying to commit the charge. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy. I remind you, he's going to point out, as we've already seen, all that has been invested in you. So let me say, number one, if you're going to war a good warfare, he is saying, accept the charge. I think we need to be reminded tonight what the charge is. It, it is the mission of God himself. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's fulfilling the will of God that he has for my life. It is, it is honoring God with my life. It is seeking to please Him. It is surrendering every part of me to Him. It is saying, Lord, in your war, in your battle, with this life you've given me, what is it that you want me to do? What role do you want me to fulfill? And I think we need to be reminded, and there's a generation that needs to be reminded that there is a charge and what the charge is. The charge of the Lord Jesus Christ the faith that we have is more important than anything in this world. It is more important to any amount of money. It is more important to any kind of fun or pleasure. It is the charge that has been committed to us. He says, accept the charge. What it is and who is it from? I don't want to get off track, but I think it's good for me to mention I'll never understand a Christian who will walk away from God, turn their back on God, and in doing so, turn their back on the very human instruments that God used for them to even get saved. I'm thankful for Timothy because of what God used Timothy to do, but I'm thankful for Timothy for the example of saying, I have a debt that I owe those that have invested in me. And let me just take the liberty and say it. I can't call you into the ministry. I wouldn't call you into the ministry. But you at least ought to listen to me when I talk to you about it. Because there's a charge to keep. There's a spiritual battle going on. Accept the charge. When I was young, I know for a fact the Lord called me to preach the gospel. And if you've been called, you know you've been called. How do I know I've been called? Try and do anything else and see if the Lord lets you alone. I know God put me on this planet to do that. But I still had to accept the charge. That's number one. If you want to war a good warfare, you can't war a good warfare if you will not even... Accept the charge. Now here, number two, this is, this is where we're going to get right down to. It's a simple thought, but it's what we have a big problem with. And don't we want to war good warfare? I, I hope that's what we want to do. I hope we want us to be a good pattern. And then I want God in heaven, when he looks down 
on this planet in this day. I want him to be able to look at me and say, I know his limitations, I know what his strengths and his weaknesses are, but I know he's willing to war a good warfare. I know he's willing to stand where he needs to stand. I know he's willing to confront what needs to be confronted. I know he's willing to get into his prayer closet and do battle in that regard. I know he's going to war a good warfare. I can, I can give him this charge. He's going to be faithful with what's been given him. I want the God of heavens to consider me in that respect. I want the God of heavens to look at the Emmanuel Baptist Church in the year 2019 going into 2020. And we can't talk about those churches from the 1800s and the 1900s. It is the time that we're in now. I want the God of heaven who sees all things and knows all things to look at the Emmanuel Baptist Church and say, I can trust them, I can count on them to war a good warfare and not just occupy some space, not just occupy an address, and not just wait until the rapture takes place, but to war a good warfare for souls and for lives and for future and for families and for homes. I want the God of heaven to look and say, I can, I can charge them with this, but then we come to this charge I commit unto thee. Number two, commit to the, keep the charge. That word commit is a big hindrance in the life of a Christian. Well, I just don't know if I can commit to be there every Sunday. And then it's, ah, I just don't know if I can commit to be there every Sunday night. Ah, I just don't know if I can commit to be there every Wednesday night. Ah, I just don't know if I can commit to come out every week and participate in that ministry. Ah, I don't know if I can commit to give something every Sunday. I don't know if I can commit to come out for that, 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 that extra meeting. I just don't know if I can commit to that. But we think nothing of committing to a 30-year mortgage. We commit to a whole, you've got to do this job for this many years in order to get this perk. We'll commit to that. But the God of heavens who granted mercy, sent his son, saved our sorry soul from a, from a devil's hell, and we can't commit? Friend, the, the, the ministry is not a profession to me. Pastoring is not a job title. It is a charge that has been committed to me, and I intend to keep it. I am committed to it. And mom and dad, the life that God has placed in your trust, the home that you have, that is a charge that has been given to you. It is a commitment that you need to keep. I'm going to rear my children according to that book, and the devil's going to know that I'm going to war a good warfare, but I am going to be committed. Christian, commit to keep the charge. We're blessed because here at the Emmanuel Baptist Church, there's not a question of whether or not we've had the faith given to us. There's not a question of whether or not the charge has been given. The question is simply, are we going to commit to it and commit to keep it? Friend, I can tell you, I'm committed to keep the charge. 
Things are not going to change at the Emmanuel Baptist Church because I've made a commitment to my God. Things are not going to change because I want a war, a good warfare. And Dad, it might be good for you to go home and just let the family know that it's true in your home too. It might be good to let the kids know that it's not changing. Why? Because you're going to war a good warfare. You know, I can't move on without saying it. God's blessed us. We have a lot of, a lot represented from different generations in our church. And there's couples in their 20s and 30s. There is not a question of whether or not the charge has been passed. The question is whether or not you're going to commit to keep it. The question is whether or not when there's a work night that the people are going to show up all over the age of 50. The question is not whether or not when commitments are taken for missions and building projects, if we're going to just depend on a generation who taps into their retirement to fund God's work, or is somebody in their 20s and their 30s, are they going to accept the charge that's been given and commit to it? There's a generation of singles, there's no doubt, you have reaped the benefit of battles that were fought at this church in this ministry before you were even born. The question is not whether or not you've got a charge handed to you. The question tonight is whether or not you're going to commit to keep it. It's your responsibility. Well, I'm saved no matter what. Yeah, you can say you wear a uniform. My standard's a little higher than that. I want a war, a good warfare. I want to be faithful. I want to do all that I could do for the cause of Christ. Commit to keep the charge. We have a responsibility. If you want a war, a good warfare, you've got to accept it, but then you've got to commit to keep it. I just, we, 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 need, we need an old-fashioned revival of this. Just, just Christians say, I'm not changing I'm never leaving. I'm not giving up my Bible. I'm not giving up what I believe. Because I'm not, I didn't commit, and I know you'll understand what I mean by this, but, but you know that I'm committed to you in the sense that I'm your pastor, but my commitment is to God. If my commitment is to Him, I'll be the shepherd that I'm supposed to be for you. And quite frankly, if you're committed to the charge that's given to you and committed to keep it, you'll be the kind of church member you ought to be. You'll be the kind of brother or sister in Christ that you ought to be. You'll be the kind of, kind of soldier for Christ that you ought to be. You'll war good warfare if you'll determine that you're going to commit to it. That's why you join a ministry. Don't join it unless you're committed to it. Commit. I didn't know that it, it was going to be like this. Can you imagine somebody joining the, the army and then come, well, I need to talk to my commanding officer. I didn't know people were going to shoot at me. I saw the poster. The uniform looked good. I knew somebody was going to put a roof over my head. I knew I was going to travel and see the world. I didn't know somebody was going to try and kill me. I didn't know there were going to be people in my own country 
curse me just because I was in the military. I want out. Well, quite frankly, when it comes to our military, if that's the attitude, we want them out. But how naive do we have to be? I didn't know the devil was going to try and destroy my home. I didn't realize when I surrendered as a young man, a young lady, to serve God with my life, that there was going to be obstacles, that there was going to be a price to pay, that there was going to be tears to be shed. Hey, war, a good warfare. Determined to commit to keep the charge. There's a lot of things that could, could, can be said. There's a lot of things that I love. A lot of things that will be said about me. There's a lot of things I'd love for people to say. But there's one thing that I'm determined that nobody will ever be able to say about me, that he quit on God. Because I want to commit to keep the charge. Number three. Don't be distracted or discouraged by those who fail to do so. Paul points out in verse 19, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Then he names two individuals. Then notice what he says about them, whom I have delivered unto Satan. They may learn not to blaspheme. It's another message for another day. He says, I never blaspheme. What you, how you live your life determines whether or not you're a blasphemer. I'll just interject this. You live like the devil and then you just you post on Facebook, well, I love God. You're blaspheming. It's blasphemy. Well, pray. No, you're, it's, it's blasphemy. Paul says I, I, some are, have shipwrecked and they've mishandled the faith, they haven't warred a good warfare. I've delivered them to Satan. Well, if I want to learn a lesson, I don't want Satan as my, as my schoolmaster teaching me the lesson. He says he'll, he'll teach them not to blaspheme. But friend, if you're going to war a good warfare, don't be distracted or discouraged by those who don't keep the commitment. And in this day we live in, it, it seems, it seems that there are more leaving the things of God that coming in. Don't be distracted or discouraged by that because I don't know that it's a reality. Well, oh, so-and-so, they, I remember when they, hey, let's talk about the ones who are doing it. You know, it, it's time that we get excited about faithfulness again. Hey, I, I'll hug the neck of any prodigal that comes back to God. But how about we hug the necks of the ones that have been here for 30 years and never left God? Just thought I'd throw that in there. But don't be distracted by those or discouraged by those who fail to keep it. Then number four, and I, I've got to finish. We find in... Verse number 19. At the conclusion of verse 18, that thou by them mightest war good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. 
Number four is just simply don't let go. It's just holding faith and a good conscience. Just don't let go. Don't let go. So much of success in the Christian life is in just these simple truths right here. Just don't let go. Hey, when you're on that spiritual high, you're experiencing victory, don't let go. But when the devil's done nothing but kick dirt in your face, don't let go. You're a soldier in the war, in the battle, and there's not a battle on your horizon, don't let go. And when those fiery darts start flying, don't let go. When you're reaping the benefits in, in church, when you sow seeds of faith and standing on what is right, you reap the benefits of that faith in that investment in the future. And when you're reaping those benefits, by the way, sow some more seeds in that time of plenty. But don't let go. Holding faith in a good conscience. There's some things that if I compromised on as a pastor, there's some battles that if I refuse to fight, it pad my bank account. Now, I'll stand here tonight and say, there's not a need that I have. This church takes real good care of me. I would say better than I deserve, but you might, you might cut my pay. Takes, and when I say my family and I do not have a need, we do not have a need. But there's some things that I could have. There, there's some positions that I could hold that if I compromise just a little bit. Neil, if you wouldn't be so stubborn, you could do a whole lot more good with your influence. There's a problem with that. I like to sleep at night. I like to look myself in the mirror. And know that I haven't been bought off. That I haven't been intimidated. That I haven't sold my soul. I haven't sold my cause. Sold the very people that I pastor. I haven't sold my own family, my own children. I like to have a good conscience. And I might have friends go, but I'm going to hold to my faith. And to my good conscience. There might be battles that I have to fight. And there might be some things I have to do without but I'm still holding to my faith. And I'll sleep good at night, and the Spirit of God won't stir inside of me and bring conviction to my heart because I compromised, and I sold out the future generation, and I sold out to, to get an easier way. No, I want to war a good warfare. 
And it may be 2019 and going into 2020, and I know things are different in our nation, but that book is still the same. And my God is still the same, and the charge is still the same. And I tonight, for one, am committed to war, a good warfare, and in the midst of the battle, when others turn away, I'm holding to the faith and to a good conscience. I, like many of you who sit in the building tonight, grew up in this church. I, like many of you, sat in meetings and services, and I surrendered my life. In just a couple months, I'll turn 46 years of age. I don't have to look back on my life and say, I wish I had followed what God set me on a path to do. Has it always been easy? Nope. Has it always been fun? Nope. But I have a good conscience tonight. Parents, you have a responsibility to rear your children. One day, they're going to get old enough to choose. If they don't choose right, nothing will help you sleep at night like knowing you did the best you could by that book right there. Oh, you'll shed tears. You'll have a broken heart. You can still have a good conscience. And we are in a time when I believe the Lord's return is imminent. I know many of you do, if you're paying attention to what's going on in our country, what's, what's, what's going on in our country, and if there's a certain group that was successful, our freedoms would be gone like that. Christ's return is imminent. And when the devil knows his time is short, he fights the hardest. As you know, I love, I've already mentioned again tonight, I, I like to read. People say, what do you do for fun? I read. No, what do you do when you really want to have fun? I go to Taco Bell and read while I'm there. <laughs> I'm a very simple man. But you get a sense of some of the great generals of the past. There's something that you see evident in every one of them. When they were tasked with an important mission, it was everything they had trained for and hoped for. You may not live through it. The fact that is given to me and is committed to me, that's everything. And then when one general was chosen over another one, why wasn't I chosen? What is it in my own life, in my own service, that would mean I would get passed over for such an important battle to be fought and led? But when they were chosen, oh, there's somebody in command. I thought I was worthy in the battle. Friend, I don't know what the future holds. 
but I want the God of the heavens. Say, I know he'll war a good warfare. He's committed. I want him to know that the Emmanuel Baptist Church will always press forward with the gospel. We'll always stand on that book. So, Pastor, I'm not sure that's the kind of church I'm looking for. But that's the kind of church this is. No matter where you are in your life. Say, Pastor, I know what you're saying and it's so true. We fought our battles for decades. You're still here. Stay committed. But to the generation that you have reaped the benefits of those that have gone before you, how committed are you? And then to the generation below them, nope, you're not still in high school. You may not even still be under the the authority of mom and dad. Let me tell you, 40 comes fast. Some of you just saying, I don't even remember 40. As I already mentioned, a couple months I'll be 46, and 50 is coming quick. You won't be able to buy a good conscience. You won't be able to buy it. You won't be able to buy in spite of the latest TV show you're watching or comic book you're reading, there'll be no time machine where you can go back and keep your commitment that you made to God. And you'll regret it. I know, I know. You wore good warfare, you'll get wounded. You'll even lose some battles. There'll be times you wonder if you're going to win the war. But in order to war good warfare, you've got to hold fast. You've got to keep the commitment. You've got to accept the charge. Tonight, accept the charge. This is a preview of what's coming in 2020. We need to commit. There's a cause greater than us. Hey, keep it. If you made that commitment, Pastor, keep it. So I'm in a battle. Keep fighting it. I'm, I, I, I learned a long time ago that you can be in a battle, you can get wounded, you can get beat up. But as long as you hold to that which God has entrusted to you, you can't lose. Some of you, you're going through battles you never thought you'd go through. Family, health, spiritual battles. I didn't know I was signing up for this. You're in a war. Just like this morning we looked at, you can look at standards and holiness and things that we sh- Christians shouldn't participate in as a bad thing, or we can look at it as it's my responsibility to be a pattern for a new Christian. 
We can look at this battle and we can look at the, the wounds and we can look at the warfare and we can look at the defeats and we can look at all of that and say, I didn't know, I didn't realize I was signing up for this. Or we can look at it that I have a God who can trust me. I have a God who knows he'll fight a good warfare. And this is the answer to the question that many times is asked. Pastor, why does it seem like we're always in a battle? Why does it seem like it just seems like we always get, we get this defeated and we turn around and we get attacked on this side? And why does it seem like in my own life that just as soon as I get things straightened out in one area, here comes the devil in another because we're warring a good warfare. We've, we, we've accepted the charge. We're committing to keep it. I want God to trust me. I want God to use us in greater ways in the future. Hey, let's, make, let's set a good pattern. People who see us in our neighborhoods, who we work with, they ought to see somebody they can follow and they trust Christ as their Savior. But I want it to be said of the young men, the children that grew up in this church. I don't know a lot about my pastor, but I know he'll fight for me. I don't know a lot about my pastor, and I don't always like everything he says. I don't always like how he says it. But I know he'll stand for what he thinks is right. And I want your children to know they got a mom and dad who's more concerned with honoring God than making the kids happy. More concerned with rearing their children according to the word of God than making grandma and grandpa happy or Aunt Susie or Cousin Joe or whoever. They got a mom and dad who cares. Oh, we have a responsibility. Timothy, there's a lot been invested in you. And I'm being a little personal tonight, and I think it's okay. But I've had a lot invested in me. A lot invested in me. I've had the privilege to sit at the feet of great men of God. I've had people who've invested in me. You know how rare it is for a preacher's kid to grow up and in, in, in pastor the same church? That he grew up in. It's rare. I've had a lot invested in me. I know what it's like to have tragedy. I know what it's like for the devil to try and destroy me, destroy my home. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have people fight for me, invest in me, stand for me. See, Pastor, why do you say all of that? Because if you can take all of that, that's how tight my grip is on the charge that's been committed to me. That's my commitment to the things of God. Well, I got in a fight. My dad used to, my dad used to say this all the time, and... and you know how when you grow up, you say, I'm never going to say what my parents said, and you end up saying it. I'm not saying it tonight. I'm just repeating it. Uh, because some of you are going to, you're going to think, yeah, he used to say that all the time. And it's good for every little boy to get a bloody nose. 
and learn that it's not going to kill them. Tonight, you may not have been in the spiritual warfare very long, but you got your first bloody nose. The devil's been messing with you. Commit. Keep it. A just man falleth seven times. I think most Christians, they think that's where that verse ends. And riseth up again. You stumble, get back up. As your faith weakened, get back up. As your grip loosened, tighten it up. Let's be very aware. Do you realize, and I, and I, and I, just, just, for, just permit me tonight. Do you realize there's been, there, there's been periods in our history, in the history of Christianity, that, 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 that principle, when Paul spoke to Timothy, commit thou the faithful men. The faith passes from one to another. Do you realize that in some of the darkest periods of our history, that it could have been down to one faithful man committing to one faithful man? And if one had been unfaithful, it would have been lost. There's families, some of you, you sit here this evening, the benefit of being saved, and you might be a second, third, fourth generation Christian, but at one point, it was up to one person to be faithful, passing it to another person. I realize the day we live in. I realize that our churches are under attack. I realize that the word of God, and, 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 and just because we have a president that we have does not mean that Satan has said, oh, well, oh, no, he's working overtime. I'm very aware at 45, almost 46 years of age, that the way things are going, it might be up to us. I believe there's more than us. But, what, but why don't we act like it's up to us? I'm not going to loosen my grip. Because there's little boys. That one day, will grow up, and God will use them to preach the gospel. I want to have a pattern of a man who wouldn't yield, who wouldn't quit, who held the faith. And I've been pastoring this church long enough that there's a generation under me now. I'm trying to commit something to you. Because I know there's some that come behind you. That I won't be here for. Somebody has got to bridge it to them. There's somebody somewhere that needs you to be that person for them. I want to let's war with good warfare. Hey, let's be the pattern. Be the pattern. Let's war a good warfare. Father, I pray that you'll use the message tonight.